Gracious God, how can we even begin to thank you for your mercy? We know our offenses, we know our faults, our shortcomings, mistakes, and sins. And yet even more, we know that you choose us again and again. You seek us out and desire us to be with you. You turn to us in mercy every time. So we thank you that you are knitting the world back together in your mercy and finding room for us in your rejoicing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. The first thing to say is I am not Ann Thatcher, who is the preacher listed in the bulletin. Poor Ann has a terrible cold and laryngitis. There is one thing a preacher cannot have. So please uh, send prayers to Ann for a swift recovery. She's taking the morning off. So I found this out yesterday afternoon. So really the prayer is the sermon. Just going to drop the mic and walk off. Um, it's, it really is, in a way, the sermon. Because I think that is my personal spiritual takeaway from these wonderful readings this morning from the gospel. This overwhelming choice God makes to face us in God's mercy and to turn to the world in mercy and to rejoice in the knitting back together of the world in mercy. Notice how both those stories end in community. Notice the repetition of rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Come together in a community of rejoicing because God is knitting the world together again and bringing each of us back home. Our role is not to exclude and leave out. Our role is to be with God on the welcoming side of God's, what I call God's mercy party. We are invited to God to be part of God's mercy party. It starts back there with that Exodus reading, much more on an operatic scale, with this amazing standoff between Moses and God, where God chooses, even though God has every right to condemn and judge and unleash God's wrath, God chooses the path of mercy. And now in liberal Christianity, we have stopped allowing God the emotion of anger, interestingly enough. You know, God's not allowed to be angry or have wrath, and God forbid God can't judge. That's a whole five forum series right there. <laughs> However, this has good scriptural basis because here we see God choosing the path of mercy, choosing to forego justified vengeance for the sake of mercy and new chances, and the die is set. Life with this particular God is going to be a life of slowly evolving, slowly coming through mistakes and sin and rebellion and failure 
into the full meaning of God's love. So now all that process is brought up into our life in God. It's not one final judgment. It's a lifetime of success and failure, success and failure, success and failure, leading into the fullness of God's presence. So what was done in this operatic scale in Exodus is down here on an intimate scale with the parables of Jesus. So the Pharisees are grumbling, which is what they do in the Gospel of Luke. They grumble because this Jesus is offensive. And we have to be giving them some credit. Jesus is offensive. Jesus is offending their values. Jesus is offending their beliefs, what they hold dear. He's trampling on the rules that help them stay right with God. And he's doing that by welcoming, welcoming tax collectors and sinners. And these are people who have broken the norms. These are the people who've created real pain and hurt in the community. And Jesus is including them. And this offends the Pharisees. And to their grumbling, Jesus replies... With these stories about an invitation to God's mercy party. And I think in my hearing, he does it with a lightness and joy and love that is a fascinating counterpoint to the grumbling. So here we have the negativity and the grumbling, the uptightness. And here we have Jesus weaving tales about joyful welcoming. Rejoice with me. Welcome the one back. The the sheep that was lost and the coin that was not found. And the third story in the chapter is the prodigal son. And remember in that prodigal son story, we're left at the end with the older brother who's offended by the father's welcome of the prodigal. We're left with that older brother standing out there in the fields wondering if he's going to go to the party or not. Wondering if he is so offended by God's mercy that he will not accept the invitation to the party. And the parable ends. The curtain comes down on that parable without answering that question. Why? Because the question is left to us. The question is for us. Will we put away our offense at God's mercy and go to the party? Join the rejoicing. Be part of what God is doing, which is diligently and eagerly welcoming and receiving and seeking Everyone to this table. Will we choose to be part of that party? Will we be, choose to be part of God's work? This work that is da- Jesus' own vocation. He is the one who reaches out. Will we accept this invitation to God's party of mercy? This week... David Brooks, I thought, had a very good column about the way meritocracy is tearing our country apart. 
the way we invest in competition, the way we invest in exclusivity to a degree where we leave so many people behind. Our focus is on getting into those exclusive places more than bringing everyone with us. We are so attached to the idea that value, things of value are those things that are for the rare few that we lose our focus on all those things that open up and are shared value with everyone. I'll leave you to read it. I think it's very good. And he gives some excellent examples of where mercy is creating an open meritocracy. Where mercy, this notion that all are welcome is, this radical welcome is changing this landscape. My favorite one, which is not in that article, is Greystone Bakery. Remember, I'm preaching on short notice, so I'm checking my notes. Greystone Bakery, yes, in Yonkers, New York. This is a bakery that has pioneered the notion of open hiring. Open hiring. And this is not some corner bakery. This is a, like a factory-sized bakery. They're the ones who produce the brownies in chocolate fudge brownie. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, right? This is a big operation. Guess how you get hired at this place? You sign a list, and they just hire the next person on the list. That's the application process. So I sign up. A position opens. Who's next on the list? You're in. No background check, no drug check, no check for prison, no check for drug use or credit check. You're hired. There's a place for you here. And the founder, a man whose name is Bernie Glassman, who's a Zen Buddhist, another little tweak to us, my friends, this Buddhist is about to teach us the gospel. His belief is that his business is not for making himself more profit or his shareholders more profit. It's for making more jobs. His business is for living wage jobs that are sustainable for his employees. How can I hire more people? How can I pay them right? How can we move forward in a way that heals the damage we've done by our strict laws that put so many people in jail? How can we reverse this racist lawmaking we have in this country that consigns an unprecedented number of people to prison? He has created a successful business that does all these things. And for me, that is the party of mercy. And just so you don't think it's rare, it's catching on. Evidently, Johns Hopkins Health Center has adopted this method. We can find ways to incarnate, embody the mercy of God that is knitting the world back together, that says rejoice with us, meaning everyone. We can incarnate that teaching. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Of course, it means self-examination. We need to examine ourselves 
and ask ourselves, what are we hanging on to to prop up our self, to prop up our ego that is based on exclusivity? What makes me feel good about myself that's not God that is part of this meritocratic system? Because I am one of the few. I'm one of the few people who, quote, get it. I'm one of the few people who understand that. I'm one of the few people who got into there. I'm one of the few people who know where that is or like that sort of music or have that sort of taste. We have to examine ourselves to see how we're depending on our exclusivity to prop up our ego, to prop up our sense of family and self. That's a tough examination to make. And it oddly undermines a lot of the practices around us. It's a dangerous way to walk with Jesus and something we're called to do. The church is at its worst when it gets into this mode because we can be part of this too. Episcopalians have the particular sin of thinking we're smarter than everybody else. And that's arrogant and wrong. And it's a form of this holding on to the wrong things and using them to set ourselves apart and exclude others. So we have to watch ourselves. We have to watch ourselves every time we think we're smarter, our music is better, our liturgy is better. We are not called to make those judgments. We are called to be part of that welcoming party for God's kingdom of mercy. For God's mercy party. I read a story. This was passed on to me without naming the actual church. But it was a church that was in the middle of the fight about LGBTQ inclusion. And it had not worked it out yet. Communion came at that particular Sunday. And members who were for LGBTQ inclusion which is what I am for and St. Martin's is for, these people wore rainbow flag stoles up to the communion rail as a sign of where they wanted the church to move in terms of inclusion. The priest of that church passed them over in the distribution of communion. Someone not wearing a stole noticed this, took his host, broke it up into smaller pieces, and gave them communion. Where is God's mercy party breaking out in that story? I'm sad to say the church went on to call the police. My friends, we are called to this radical welcome, this rejoicing with. Remembering that we ourselves are creatures of mercy. That we have nothing to boast in but God's choosing us. We are children of mercy. And so we learn through success and failure to extend that circle of mercy. And then we understand what grace is. Amen. Amen.